Welcome to episode 114. Today's guest is a former NFL first round draft pick who played over a decade at the quarterback position in the NFL. Jason Campbell, thank you for joining me on the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Uh, Luke, I can't complain. I know you made a lot of great memories and had a great time at Auburn, but I think the highlight, as most anyone who watched those Auburn teams you played on would say, was that 2004 season, the legendary year, the perfect season. What made that team, and from your perspective, that offense so special? Yeah, we had a lot of weapons. Uh, you know, our junior year, we was kind of preseason top three, uh, a lot of one and two, and a lot of people posed, and we didn't live up to it our junior year. You know, we had a lot of changes that year in all season. Uh, offense coordinator led up to the head coaching job at Louisville, and, uh, you know, we was trying to keep the same thing and do it by committee, but, you know, sometimes even the heads and the fire things just don't work out accordingly. So we ended up going 8-5 that year, but we finished winning our last two games of that season. And then offseason, you know, we all got together, seniors. We had a strong senior class coming back. And, uh, you know, like, you know, we just had those conversations. Like, what you want to be known for, you know, because this is it for us, you know, saying like this, our college career, you know, like what kind of stamp we want to leave on the university. So when we come back years from now, we have reunions and stuff, you know, what can what can we have? We felt like we could have the talent. We had the talent to achieve a lot of things. And uh, the most memorable thing I remember about that year is our whole backfield went first round, but nobody really cared during the season who was getting all the accolades. You know, it didn't matter who was running the ball, throwing the ball. It was just who was having a lot of fun and we was supporting each other and everything was just um, – it was awesome. It was an awesome time, you know, to this day. Like, I still talk to a lot of those guys, and we're still, like, very, very close. And uh, and I think uh, a lot of that had to do with the experiences that we had through the tough times, not just the good times, but the tough times built us to enjoy the good times. And uh, so that would make the 2014 so special and uh, everything. And it's probably one of the greatest teams that will come through Auburn. Uh, even though we got robbed in the national championship, we feel like we, we changed the platform for college football, which created a talk of playoffs. And you say robbed with the national championship. I've heard a lot of people say that that Auburn team and that 2004 season having the three perfect teams kind of changed college football. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it definitely changed college football because that year we had the tougher schedule of uh, three between USC, us, and Oklahoma. And, uh, and we kind of we wanted that rematch with USC because the year before, we, we didn't play well at all. We were trying to implement new things. It, it just wasn't together as a team as we should have been. And the year before that, we lost to them. You know, we ended up dropping the pass to win the game out in, out in California, USC. So we wanted another chance to win them at the big stage. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, it didn't happen. But, uh, you know, we did everything we can to put ourselves in a position to, to be a national champ that year. And our hearts were national champs. But when you think about that year and what it's created now, which given a lot of other teams the opportunity to be equal and win a national championship, I wouldn't trade it because we changed football. We changed college football. You know, the whole conversation started after that year. The SEC won seven national championships um, after, that, after that year um, that we had. And uh, people are just like, never again can I undefeat the SEC team be left out the national championship game. It just makes no sense based on our schedule. So, you know, now there's teams that have equal opportunity to win a national championship because you're you're thrust into that top four and you get to play for it and not get, you know, not have to worry about getting left out and uh, and everything. So, you know, it's, it had a big positive behind it. And, uh, and I think you'd be more known for that 
and then uh, then everything else. Well, I have to follow up to that. I know you're much happier with a 14 college football playoff than you are with the old BCS type system. Would you like an eight-team playoff, or what's your ideal look for a college football playoff? Because I know there are some people that say it's not quite there yet. Yeah, I think eventually they're going to have to add at least two teams or four teams. You know, if you think about it, if you do a six-team playoff, you kind of treat it like the NFL football, you know, where the top two seeds get a bye the first week, and then the other four teams play against each other, and then they end up playing two teams on the bye, and then you end up playing the national championship game. Um of course, it'll add on one more game and become 15 games maybe, but not for the team that gets the first buy, the first round buy. So, you know, if they, they was to go to six game, a six game, uh, 16, that's how it would possibly look, just like the NFL player. But if they was to go to eight uh, eight game, eight teams, then uh, then you're pretty much taking each champion from every major conference. Uh, and maybe one or two teams that didn't win the conference, but was from a bigger conference like the SEC or a Big Ten or someone that the second-tier team that lost or something or second-tier team in that conference get a chance to still be in the playoff hunt if their schedule permits. So I think eventually we'll get there. Um, last year it just worked out perfectly uh, and everything. So, you know, it's kind of like you know, he say, she say, you know, so at this point. But at the end of the day, they always try to do what's going to bring – more to what's going to bring more excitement to TV, what's going to bring more money, what's going to, at the same time, you got to figure out how to protect these kids, though, because that is a long season. I played the NFL, and that is a long, drawn-out season, though, once you start pushing toward past 14 games. Well, after your time with the War Eagles, we'll go into your NFL journey. You were a first-round pick of the Washington Redskins. What was your draft day like? Oh, draft day was fun. I had all my family uh, in Auburn. Uh, I had my high school friends, I had my college friends, and uh, my coaches. And uh, we was there, and uh, of course, no running Cadillac went early in the top five, and then Carlos went number nine. And I remember the Redskins called me and told me two picks before because they knew the other two teams that needed a quarterback, but they said I was definitely taking me at 25. And uh, I had already known, so I was kind of like off to myself. And I remember hearing all my family going crazy when they announced it on TV. And I remember going outside and uh, and everything, seeing my mom cry, seeing my dad cry. And, uh, you know, my, my coach Borges and friends was there. And this just made me feel special, man, because I feel like I, I had reached a plateau in the dream that I had when I was a little kid. And at the same time, the work still began, but at the same time, to reach that kind of plateau to come from such a small area where I come from was a, was a big was a big step in the right direction because I feel like now a lot of kids have hope. And, of course, we had some other guys come out of there since then. Tim Dustworth played in the National Football League, went to Auburn, played for the Saints. And Billy Hamilton, the baseball player, came straight out of high school out of Taylorsville. He's now playing for the San Francisco Giants. So, you know, it's it's giving a lot of kids behind me, man, a lot of a lot of stamina as far as, like, I can make it. You know, there's no excuse if you put the work in. And, you know, God's blessing, you know, and, and work for it. You know, good things can happen. Well, starting out with your time in Washington, I know there were some up and downs for you after you were drafted by the Redskins. How would you describe your time in that organization? Yeah, that was chaotic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You know, I love D.C. I definitely love D.C. I love being a Redskin. Um, thing is, you know, I just wish it could have been under better circumstances, not so much changeover, and I had to endure so many different coaches and everything. But, 
not knowing what's going to come. And, but at the same time, to be able to play at that level was an honor and privilege. And, uh, you know, then getting traded from there to Oakland. I really enjoyed my time in California playing for the Raiders, you know, Raider Nation, you know, those, you know, Dower fans and, uh, and everything. So, you know, I had a really good career. Uh, like I said, I was with the Raiders. I was 19 and I think seven or something as a starter, something like that, 14 to seven, 12 or seven, something like that as a starter. So I was the only winning quarterback they had had within that decade outside of Rich Gannon. And uh, since Gannon had left, and, uh, and we was having a really good year the year I broke my collarbone and my contract year and everything. And I just feel like he kept that team together. You know, we definitely could have had something special. But, uh, you know, business is business in the NFL, and you just – roll with the punches and you get up and you keep going but um definitely a 10 year span in nfl is nothing to really complain about you know not many people get an opportunity to, to play at that level and to be a starter eight of those 10 years and uh to walk away on my own where i could have played two more seasons you know it was uh you know it was an honor what do you think was the high point for you as a raider i know you talked about your record you had a lot of good moments there yeah man we played kansas city uh the slugfest uh Back in 2010, and uh, it was uh, for the AFC West lead. It was having a really good year that year, and uh, you know, went into overtime and you know, throwing like a 50 some yard pass to Jacoby Ford, and he caught it. The whole place just went crazy, and uh, that's the Raider Nation. That everyone said, "Man, that's that's what it was always like." And I was just like, "Man, you can get used to that. You get goosebumps." Um, you know, being in there and hearing that and uh, and everything, but and uh, going seven and zero as a starter in the division, you know, they had beaten the Chargers and and I don't know how many years they said it was, and to beat them twice that year, uh, beat them twice that year, you know, was, was meant a lot as well. Most definitely. Well, after your time in Oakland, I think you had something to the tune of like three cities in three years, and you ended up heading to the Cleveland Browns. I know historically it's been known as a place that kind of chews up quarterbacks a little bit. So why do you think it's been tough for quarterbacks to succeed in that organization as someone who's <laughs> yeah. been there from that perspective? Yeah, because they have no patience. You know, the fans are so thirsty and so hungry for victories and everything. You know, owners are so hungry for victories that they don't go through the growing pains. And it's not always the quarterback. When I played there, there was so much other stuff going on that, uh, you know, like we had some really good games like we had new england beat in new england and uh and everything and we was two minutes away from winning the game we we're up like almost what, we were 12 points and we find a way to lose the game and everything you know and and it's, it's just things like that that kept happening we go to kansas city that year play them in kansas city they're undefeated at the time and we take it all the way down to the wire and then we're not able to finish that game so we was in the fight in every game. We was just like, man, we can learn how to finish better as a team. We may be all right in 2000, in 2000, uh, 2014, but because they got rid of head coach at the end of the year. And then I didn't start the second half of the season because I came in to mentor a little bit. But then by the time I became starter and everything get going, I was just like, you know, we roll them. You put up good numbers, but we're not able to finish games because we're still building our team and guys still trying to figure each other out. So we was all looking forward to coming back that next year and everything. And and what they do, they come get rid of the whole team. They completely get rid of it because all the Johnny Manziel talking end up bringing Johnny Manziel. And we all see how that went. <laughs> I'm just like every time you keep doing it, you just keep 
hitting a revolving door. You know what I'm saying? So you got to build a team. And uh, I just feel like, you know, there they was years. They, they had their moments and opportunities, but they keep getting rid of games because I don't know what they expect. I guess they expect to win a Super Bowl every year or make the playoffs every year or something. But, you know, you're trying to build a team so you can make the playoffs so you can get in contention to be able to make a Super Bowl. You know, it's not easy to do, but you can't just keep, changing and changing and changing and changing all the time because, you know, you're, I just don't get it. Well, now in your life after football, what are you up to? What kinds of things you're pursuing now that you've retired? Uh, now I'm, uh, I do Auburn sports radio for the home games, football home games. Uh, I do I co- help coach at high school this year uh, here in Atlanta, Georgia. I help train young kids. And uh, I also have my own podcast show with Believe, B-L-E-A-V, uh, Auburn. And uh, so I do that with Taylor Beth Davis. And, uh, you know, that's been fun. I've been enjoying it and uh, and everything. So, you know, life is, uh, you know, it becomes stagnant a little bit once you retire from football because you're so used to having your schedule lined up and being a competitor and competing. So now you have to find out what are you competing against and uh, everything. So you try to find that next edge and where you can use that competitive desire that you learn so much as an athlete to keep you progressing and, uh, and moving forward. Well, Jason, that's all the questions I had for you. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it, Luke. Thank you.